Hallelujah. Give me liberty or give me death. What an amazing thought this morning. Give me liberty or give me death. We're going to pray this morning, dismiss our young children to their classes. Our teens will be remaining with us here in the sanctuary today. And we'll just see what God has in store for all of us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is the name that is above every name. It's at your mighty name that every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess. Whether a person wants to bow or realizes that they need to bow, every knee must bow. Whether they want to confess you as Lord and Savior or not or deny your existence, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father who is in heaven, we thank you today, this day that you have made. Your word tells us that we are to rejoice and to be glad in it. Some may say, why should I rejoice? You don't know my story. How can I rejoice? You don't know what I'm going through. But you declared, even before the foundation of the world, that this day would be what it is. And that we would be the people that would be existing in this day. That's how all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise that you are. We thank you as your people, God, that we have the opportunity, the privilege the privilege, God, not really just a right, although many are fighting for rights. It's really a privilege that we have to come and to gather in a place such as this. It's not just the building, Lord, but it's the opportunity to come together as other believers, God, and some who may not quite know you, but know that this is a place to come to, to be able to hear a word from you, to be strengthened by you. For this opportunity to gather in peace and in freedom. Freedom is not free. It comes with an amazing price. Thank you for freedom today, Father. Thank you for freedom today. Freedom from what, some may ask. First of all, freedom from our sin. Freedom to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. Freedom to be called the children of Abraham, the father of faith. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for each individual freedom, God, that each one has gone through and experienced. Some a freedom from drugs. Some a freedom from alcohol. Some a freedom from lust and pornography. Some a freedom from hatred. Some a freedom from prejudice. Some a freedom from themselves. But all freedom, God, that you have purchased for us. We honor you, Father. We thank you, Father. It's really in you that we live, we move, we have our existence. 
today. May we reflect upon what you have done for us and always be thankful. Always be thankful. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless our pastors that while they are away, Apostle David, Pastor Linda, God, we know that they have been sent to a place for such a time as this. Too. It's a such a time as this, God. We thank you that they will receive confirmation of what you've placed in their lives, God. You've already been speaking to them. You've already been dealing with them, God, and showing them and giving them vision for this house, this, these believers, Father. May that word be expanded in their spirit today, God. May they be refreshed, God. Father, we pray for them. You told us to pray for those who have authority over us, God. Thank you that you've given us a man who loves us, a woman of God who loves us dearly. Father, bless them today. Bless them abundantly. Meet every need that they have. See to their needs, God, as they have seen for so many years after our needs. Father, we don't want to bring anything else to them but a thank you. A thank you. And a prayer that they would be blessed today. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We dismiss our children this morning. Our teens are going to stay with us. Elder Willie. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but uh, man, I didn't have that prayer even in my mind this morning. But I'm impacted by the Lord this morning in such a way. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know he's going to do something. And I know that what he does is going to be what we need. But I need, hey, wow, look at all these faces. Of, man, so, is that who I think that is? Oh, my goodness. Willie, is that Willie? Look at Willie, Willie Lopez, right? You still in the, are you still in the service, Willie? Air Force, right? You've been in for a little bit now, huh? How long? Six years? Wow. Do y'all remember, some of y'all remember Willie Lopez? He was a little teenager when he came here. Now look at him, a man of God and serving in the military. Eight, six, six years now in the Air Force. Isn't that amazing to see that? Stand up, Willie, so they can kind of see who you are and, God bless you, man. Good to see you. Man, I guess it's just introduction moments. I'm seeing a lot of faces here, so we'll just do some intro, introduction row, if y'all don't mind. Let me do introduction moment. That's his, his mom, if I'm correct. I remember that face. Hey, Amen. God bless you, man. Good to see you. Sisters, all right. Miss, uh, Miss Ida, go ahead and stand up. We know Miss Ida and Brother Ray Ray. Stand up, Raymond. All right. Amen. Family from a good moment. Amen. I saw some other face I wanted to recognize. There he is, Kevin. Kevin, welcome back. Stand up, Kevin. And Naisha, Naisha's husband. 
was gone for a good minute on deployment. Thank God for bringing him back safely. Kevin, we're glad to have you back, brother. Appreciate you, man. All right. Let me kind of scan here and make sure I don't miss anyone else here. All these wonderful people. Good to see each one of you. You are amazing in the sight of God. Uh, I, was, I haven't seen these two in a little bit. I was praying for y'all. Chaz and Leonie. Good to see Chaz and Leonie. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you. Good to see you. Always good to see my, my little man right there, my friend there, Mr. Tyron. Hey, Tyron. Good to see you, buddy. Tyron was my basketball manager many, what, three, four years ago, Tyron? Man, it goes so fast. Now, it's been about three, four years ago, and I just really appreciate that young man. He's in the high school with these other great people, young people that we have in, this, in the church. And I appreciate you, Tyron. Every time I get to see you, it's a blessing. Amen. All of our guests. Guests, raise your hands again if you're, if you're not a member of Living Faith quite yet. We honor you. So glad to see each one of you. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. But truly, this is a great day. Amen. This weekend, we've been celebrating freedom for our nation. Freedom. Good to see Elder Giles back. And I know the Giles were off and enjoying vacation. They're back. Amen. Safely. Good to see you. Amen. God bless you guys. And the shavers were gone as well. Good to see the shavers. Where are I'm not seeing them right now, but... Uh, Oh, way over there. Okay, one there. I saw Naomi, didn't I, earlier somewhere around here? All right. Good to see the shavers. Amen. Amen. Kind of pray for my voice here, kind of getting through some stuff, but praise God. I'm going to know I'm going. I know I'm ready. Hey, praise God. You better get ready. Huh? Drop it down an octave. I truly did. We're going to raise it up a few, too. How about that? Well, today we're going to be talking about Lehani's, um poem, which was amazing. I think she's, she should just be going somewhere with her reading. She should be beyond these walls. I'm talking about she should be somewhere, man. I'm serious. You need to check that out. You need to be gone somewhere, girl. You be. That's, God is using you. I'm telling you. Give me liberty or give me death. Is anyone familiar with that statement at all? Thank you, Edward Willard. Anyone familiar with that statement at all? Give me liberty or give me death. We have a little history lesson this morning, too. Y'all like history? Uh, not, not many like history, apparently. I like history. You know what? Because history is what gets us to where we are today. Without history, uh, you don't get here, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's history. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's history. That's what, get, that's what God uses to get us here. So I like history a lot. The Bible even talks about, whoever said that, I heard that. I have really good ears. I want to tell you that. My ears are very good. I wear contacts so I can see better, but my ears are amazing. Now you have a little side note. When I was in the military and I used to be in my office, people would be out there talking. They didn't think I could hear them. i just come out there a little bit later and say, you know, I did hear what you said. And you said this, this, and this. How did you hear me? I said, I don't know, but I have really good ears, so you might want to be careful about what you're saying. Hmm, interesting. All right. Praise the Lord. Just a little side note. Uh, we always want to thank our pastors for an opportunity to speak. Uh, 
I don't take that lightly. It's always a privilege and an honor that they would, you know, entrust any of us to do what we do. And we talk about that in our multimedia department training this morning about having depth. There should be great depth in the in the in the in the body of Christ and depth in the kingdom that God's work should be to continue on. It should be to continue on regardless. And it will continue on, right? Uh, we're just another generation that's living for God. We're not the only. So obviously it's, it's, there's depth to the word of God. And uh, so we appreciate that. We love them so much. Also, last week we had an amazing time to be out in the park um, at uh, Windjammer Park and to be to have a celebration outside, outdoors. It was so amazing. I had a lot of good, a lot of uh, just a great time, a fun time. We thank each and every one of you who helped us to be able to do that. If you brought something to help, you know, to contribute to the event, it was amazing. If you said a prayer for the event, it was amazing. If you came and showed your presence, it was amazing. If you came and helped serve in any way, it was amazing. So to all of you, we say thank you for coming together. We're greater together, right? That's what that purpose is. Each person doing their part, and what do you have? You can do put on a, have a whole service and feed a whole lot of people who are coming, whether for service or coming for natural food, spiritual food, prayer, whatever. You can help meet others, uh, the needs of others. Well, I was thinking this thought a couple of weeks ago. I was thinking about, um, about us beginning to enter into a season of celebrating our independence um, as a nation. And so the Lord gave me this thought. Uh, which really excited me was about give me liberty or give me death. And uh, so I began to meditate upon it and um, just really been working on it. It's really been doing something in my heart, and uh, we'll do our best to relay on to you today uh, as the Lord will lead us. Uh, I was remembering, uh, is anyone familiar with the bicentennial? Bicentennial? What is the bicentennial? I heard something. That's the part of it. What is the bicentennial? It's kind of open form right here, so you can just answer it. Of what? Thank you. The 200 season, we need some history because obviously there should have been a whole lot of people to be able to answer that question. And that's, that's, that's a, you know, a funny note, but a serious note. The bicentennial represents the 200th year of our nation being born that it was in operation for 200 years. So when was that celebrated, the Bicentennial? Huh? 1976. So that means that the nation was officially born when? 1776. Going somewhere with this, all this makes some sense. I guess we have a little math up in there too, huh? Uh, (laughs) Elder Johnny, I heard your voice. That's one of his favorite subjects. A little math up in there. Uh, it was interesting. I want to ask this question. Where were you 1976 when we celebrated the, the bicentennial? Where were you in 1976? Just think about it. I can already see some people say, I don't know what you're even talking about, man. I don't even know if there'd be a 1976 because I wasn't around at all. Some were saying, you know, I was in my teens. Some were saying I was in my 30s already, you know, 76 was just another year. I remember, why am I referencing 1976? Because I remember where I was in 1976. And I remember the impact of 1976 on my life. 
I was 11 years old, so do the math. I was uh, 11 years old, and we went to on a field trip. And I know many of us are familiar with the field trips. And we went to a field trip to a museum, and uh, there was uh, um, uh, they were celebrating the spirit of 76. That's what they called it back then. That was uh, the slogan that was uh, being hailed um, um, quite frequently throughout our nation, the spirit of 76. I remember being at the museum, and they're celebrating the bicentennial. And obviously, I didn't know what it represented uh, to the impact uh, before I went. But I remember at 11 years old, just spending that time that we did in the museum and hearing about 200 years of our nation being the United States of America uh, impacted me that I never forgot about it. 1976. It caused me to know that another way of commemorating is they did come out with these quarters, which we call bicentennial quarters, 1976, and being a coin collector along with Elder, I'm not Deacon Worth Williams, uh, I collect those spirit, I mean those spirit, I want to call spirit, those uh, bicentennial quarters. I like those. I want to keep them as a collection. One day they're going to be worth much, and that's something I, you know, I'm doing personally as an inheritance for my children, and uh, maybe for their children's children. We'll see uh, how we're collecting. It's not for us. Uh, our job is we're just collecting and we're going to pass it to the next generation with understanding, and prayerfully they will carry it out. Kyleen, I know, will carry it out because she likes money. Uh, <laughs> but let me tell you, she likes money in the fact that she don't like to spend it. So that's a good thing. Isn't it amazing folks to spend your money really fast? I'm sorry, Kyleen, I just gave you a shout-out, didn't I? <laughs> they spend your money fast. They're looking at Kyleen's not over there. I'm just looking at that direction. She's over here. <laughs> I don't want to throw y'all off. She's obviously not Kyleen over there. Kyleen is my daughter. She's over here somewhere. I just want to look directly at her because I'm making a little nervous probably. But she'll spend your, your money fast. Dad, let's go somewhere. Okay, yeah, yeah. Who's buying this? Right, obviously you are. I heard you, Elder Kim. She's saying, right, right. That's spoken well from a parent. See, I don't have to look at you. I can hear that voice. And uh, so anyway, it made me think about What's going to happen when we reach our tricentennial? 2076. I, man, I just got, I'm like, Lord, why are you giving me all these thoughts here? I'm, it's all, all tied together. So I got to thinking about it. So now, let's kind of take a poll there. Where might some of us be in 2076 if the Lord delays his coming and allows us still to be operating? 2076, where might you be? Say again, ma'am. In the arms of God. That is another 62 years from now, if you, just to be in, uh, uh, factual there. I would tend to say the majority of us would have lived our lifetime here on earth. 62 years from now. Our youngest member of Living Faith right now is Miss Hope Franklin. Miracle baby. 62 years from now, she will be 62 years old. And being the youngest, she may be the one who gets to celebrate that at the youngest of our congregation right now, just use that as an example. But she'll be 62 years old. That's not young anymore, as young anymore, right? So I want us to kind of consider time and the effect of time 
and what am I going to do with the time that I have? I didn't know that I would see 1976, you know, didn't know that was going to be a part of my life, but I remember it. Someone's going to remember when you get to 2076, it's probably going to need to be y'all real young ones, Cherish, okay? And Cherish will be moving into her late 70s by then. But prayerfully, she'll remember this moment. It'll stick in her memory. I remember some pastor, she won't remember my name, <laughs> some pastor who talked about what would happen in 2076. I remember I was born in 1965, so I always had this dream when I was coming up. I was thinking, I always like to think ahead. I was, somehow God gave me that, but I was thinking, even as a young boy, I said, man, I can't wait to see what the world's going to be like in 2000. When we get to 2000, I'll be 35 years old. What is the world going to be like when we get to year 2000? Well, obviously, I got a little closer to 35, and so I started looking at 2015. I said, what is the world going to be like when I get to 50 years old? That's next year. So now I'm thinking about, you know, another year. I'm not going to tell you which one that is because I don't quite know myself yet. <laughs> but time has been given but to be utilized for God's purposes. With this statement here that we're talking about, give me liberty or give me death, was an important statement made in this time. It's interesting about this statement that these may not be the exact words that were spoken. Historically, as you look in the records, it's not for certain that the writer, which we'll talk about, I me, mean, the, the person who, who authored these words, that these were the exact words that were spoken. But to the best of people's recollection, this is what they came up with. That was interest, interesting to me, that it's not written in the, in the books. It wasn't recorded. So let me kind of tell you about it. You're like, where did this statement come from? You, some of you children should be able to come up and tell me this right now. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to put you on the spot. <laughs> give me liberty or give me death is a quotation attribute, uh, attributed to Patrick Henry from a speech, a speech he made to the Virginia Convention in 1775 at St. John's Church. And that really got me right there. Mm -mm. Division of church and state. Hmm, interesting. What happens over time is interesting. But this statement was made in a church. Hmm. Okay. Virginia Convention being held in the church in Richmond, Virginia. He is credited with having swung the balance in convincing the Virginia House of Burgesses, which is like House of Representatives, to pass a resolution delivering the Virginia troops to the Revolutionary War. Among the delegates to the convention were future U.S. presidents Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. There were some distinguished people sitting in there listening to him speak at this time to this convention. Not knowing the impact of what would happen with this statement or even in their lives when they heard this statement. This, this is good to me. I might rejoice myself on this. The Virginia House of Burgesses was the first legislative assembly of elected representatives in North America. That was an important gathering of people, the first legislative assembly of elected representatives in North America. Although there remains debate that these were the exact words spoken by Mr. Henry, 
whatever he said exactly, whatever he said exactly, stirred the convention to action, which helped to provide military involvement that would begin the early steps towards America's freedom. The Virginia armies would be pivotal in helping to get the Revolutionary War actually started and with the support of the, uh, the, the, the nation at that time, being as small as it was, that was important part to getting the United States, or well, America at that time, in fully involved in the Revolutionary War. Interesting. So what is liberty exactly? We say, give me liberty, what is it? Lehani gave some of those definitions in her eloquent poem today. I will recite them as well. Liberty is defined as the condition of being free from control or restrictions. Liberty is the condition of being free from imprisonment, slavery, or forced labor. Liberty is the condition of being free to act, believe, or express oneself as one chooses. Liberty is freedom from excessive governmental control. As I hear those definitions, it would be easy for me, maybe easy for you, I don't know, to associate with the definition of liberty. Who doesn't want to be free from control or restrictions? Who doesn't want to be free from control or restrictions? Who doesn't want to be free from imprisonment, slavery, or forced labor? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to be free to act, believe, or express oneself as one chooses? We'll talk about that, obviously. Who wouldn't want to be free from excessive governmental control? I know I would, and a yes to all of those. I don't know about you but I would tend to think that most, if not all of us, would want to be free from that. Let's look at defining liberty from a biblical perspective. The Greek word, so let me give you a Greek word right here, is called eleutheria, eleutheria. And it means liberty or freedom. Freedom and liberty, especially a state of freedom from slavery. I think many of us have could be identified or understand some conditions of slavery. If you've seen that movie, Twelve Slaves in a Year, have y'all seen that one yet? <laughs> Twelve Slaves in a Year. Y'all haven't seen that one yet? Oh, this is a sequel after that one. This is the sequel I'll tell you about. Twelve Slaves in a Year. Okay. I thought I'd throw that one out there, see how that landed. That landed pretty well. I'm going to use that again one day. Twelve years a slave, if you've seen that before. <laughs> the sequel is Twelve Slaves in a Year. Get ready for that one. <laughs> it was kind of tough to watch that movie. I don't know about you, but I've watched it. It was kind of had some tough moments on that movie. Some tough things about that movie are, you know, I didn't live in that era, but obviously it's, it's been proven that the state or condition uh, existed as, as it was documented. I'm not mad at anyone 
because in reality, I'm here to tell you, there's no one who would rule perfectly. Uh-oh. I'm not sure if you've considered that before. It's been proven that no, no nation will rule perfectly if given the opportunity to rule others. Hmm. Okay, we'll find that out. The importance of liberty. Let me give you a scripture. I like this scripture. It's the first scripture that hit my spirit when I thought about this. It hit me strong. Galatians 5 and 1. It says this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. To me, that is a, a cry that is even stronger than give me liberty or give me death. It's been said that as Patrick Henry spoke, he was such a passionate speaker. He believed in what he was speaking. He believed with this very core of his being that he was willing to say, I want liberty. Or if I don't have liberty, what I'm accepting is what Lehane said. I'm accepting death. I need to act now and throw my cast, my lots in now, or I will have resulting death. If I don't do my part now, guess what? Someone is doing their part. And now they're going to dictate to me how I'm going to live. And that living may not be the living, that type of living you want. So death can come. I saw this scripture and I said, this scripture is greater than what Patrick Henry said or close to what he said. This is for sure written this way. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What was the purpose for this statement? There had to be a purpose for every word that's spoken, right? Why would Paul, being the writer, writing to a whole region of believers, why would he feel it necessary to say that? Why would he be inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this in this letter to go out through all the churches of Galatia? Let's look at verses 2 through 8 and get a better understanding. Behold. I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. In other words, being an adult, me, 49, and all of a sudden I decide to be circumcised because I want to become closer to God. That would profit me nothing. It would gain me much pain. But what would that profit me in my relationship with God? It would profit me nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to, the whole, to, do, to do the whole law. To be circumcised means you had to live by the law. And I already know that I, I've messed that up enough times, right? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I've messed that up enough times. So how am I going to keep this whole law just by being circumcised? Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you of you are justified by the law, 
ye are fallen from grace. When I'm trying to go back to the law because they were, they were, there were teachers that were telling him they needed to be, the believers need to be, that they needed to be circumcised again in the, in the physical. And Paul was saying, that's not going to do you any benefit. If anything, you're taking a major step backwards. You are fallen from grace. Because the Bible says, by grace are ye what? Through what? And that not, it is the, lest no man should, amen. Is the gift of God. For we, verse 5, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Thank God that we have righteousness by faith and not by works. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. That means being circumcised or being not circumcised. But faith which worketh by love. Apostle did a teaching not too long ago, right, when he was talking about faith and, 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 and grace, how grace and faith work together. Grace and hope, grace and love work together. Y'all remember, some of y'all remember that? Did y'all come to church on those Sundays? Amen. All right. So I don't have to go back into that too much. But he's saying, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did, hit, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. God calls us to freedom. He calls us to liberty. He calls us to trust in him and to live a life that's greater than we could ever, each, any person could ever live uh, uh, amongst themselves, by themselves. Why would I go back to the works of the flesh and the, the self-righteousness to try to improve my relationship with God? He's saying God didn't do this. It's not God's will. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. That's not what he called us to. He called us to grace. These scriptures to me are a reminder that salvation is not of works. Amen. If it's of works, then, boy, we all be out working really hard. I don't say we all because I'm not sure what you would do, but there'd be many be out working really hard, trying to outwork the other person to gain righteousness, to gain faith. Uh, circumcision of the flesh was actually a step backwards into slavery. Give me liberty or give me death. Liberty was before the people, and other teachers would come and try to infiltrate. You're going to see this a little bit later. Try to infiltrate the body, infiltrate the believers to cause them to think that they needed to be doing something totally different from what Christ brought them to. So in reality, they're thinking they're coming closer to God, but they're becoming closer to slavery. Because they couldn't keep the law. That had been proven enough. It had been proven so much that God had to come in the form of flesh, in the form of his servant, Jesus Christ, in the form of his son. God had to come in flesh to fulfill, fulfill the law so he could take us to what he really intended for us. And that was the grace of God. Wow. Here's a question for us today as it deals with our nation and liberty and freedom. Are the steps that we're taking as a nation progressing us toward God or regressing us back to slavery under sin? 
It's a question for all of us to consider, each one of us to consider. Are the decisions and the choices that are being made now, are they bringing us closer to God? Or are they regressing us away from God and bringing us closer back to slavery of sin? It's a point to consider. Uh, thank God that there's a place, free place to be to say this because in other, some public places I might get in trouble today. But praise God, you know what? I'm already in prison ministry, so send me on. I just asked you to send me to where I've been going all these years. We're going to preach the gospel there. You know what I'm saying? We're already doing that. So let's go do it some more. They say, oh, he's about to get in some deep water today. I hope you all go with me. Somebody swim with me today. you got to call some things truth. Thank you, Ella Blackburn. I know you go with me. We're going to start Ella Blackburn and for real. It'll be two of us. We're going to start it ourselves, man. I know you go with me. We're not regressing. Was this the first cry for action of his kind? Give me liberty or give me death. Was that the first cry for action for a cause? Was that the first cause that people begin to rise up and say, give me this or give me that? Was, is this the first time that people begin to rise up? We're going to take a look scripturally and see. There's five things I want you to see um, over these next several points here. If you want to write them down, you can. If you have a great memory, tell me what I said afterwards without the use of notes, and I'll have something special for you. The first one is there has to be a cry because of injustice. Point number one, there is a cry because of injustice. Patrick Henry was saying he realized he wasn't the only one. There's a gathering, there's a convention, there's a gathering of representatives from the state of Virginia realizing that, that the British rule was imposing upon them how they should live, how they should, and really it came down to their worship of God. It's interesting that the freedom of this nation, was, 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 the battle was fought over religious freedom. It's interesting. Very interesting. That's what the battle was for. We want to worship God freely. Yeah, over some other economic means were there too. Yeah, those were involved. But that wasn't the number one. Number one was they wanted religious freedom. They wanted the ability to, to, to serve God themselves and not be put into a box, the Protestant box, if you will, at that time, the Catholic box, as you will, at that time, that was trying to govern the people. They wanted to have the ability to worship God themselves. Hmm. So the first, there must be a cry because of the injustice. Second, there must be a champion raised up to lead the fight. There's a cry because of the injustice. Second, there's a champion is raised up to lead the fight. In this case, Patrick Henry was the one who stood up amongst all the representatives and said, give me liberty or give me death. In other words, stop talking about it. Let's get to action. What are we going to do to defend our nation? What are we going to do to establish the government, the, the government of God in our nation? What are we going to do? Has to be a champion. Third is something that uh, most people don't like. There has to be chaos. There has to be chaos. Chaos, some examples of that are disagreements, disputes, conflicts, and wars. 
There has to be chaos. There has to be a cry for the injustice because of the injustice. There has to be a champion that's raised up. There has to be chaos. And people say, oh, man, don't, don't give me that. Come on, can everything be at peace? Can, can't we just all, what is, what's, the, what's the slogan? Can we all just get along with a dog here? Get along. That's a little old, went back western on y'all. Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? I'm not calling you a dog. I'm just talking about the, it's a little song. Get along with a doggy. I think it was Gene Archery. Get along with a doggy. Talking about the, the cows. Get along with a doggy. Amen. <laughs> I'm taking y'all a little bit everywhere today, aren't we? We have a cross-culture teaching up in here today. There has to be chaos, some disagreements, disputes, conflicts, and wars. I think those have been seen around the world, right, and even within our own nation. Fourth, after the conflicts, the disputes, the wars have been fought, someone's going to win. There has to be a celebration of the victories. Celebration of the victories. The victories which brought the liberation and freedom. Fourth, there's a celebration of the victories which brought liberty, if you will, liberty and freedom. Here's where the problem lies. Number five is where the problem lies. You have a cause. You have people who cry out to God, and that's what we're supposed to do. That's what a people should do, cry out to God. Yes. God will raise up a champion to fight for his people, to lead his people, and not just to lead his people. Yes, there has to be chaos. There has to be conflict, uh, wars, and, and, and uh, uh, disputes, and, and, and disagreements. Yes, there's going to be a battle. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. In, all, in, in, in actuality, there's some winning and losing on both sides. But there's a celebration for the victors. Yes, all sounds well. Everything's going great. Here's point number five. There has to be consistency. Consistency. If I'm crying about in, uh, about crying out about injustice, and God brings justice, but then there's no consistency in the one who's received the justice then what was the battle all about? In other words, if I cry out to God, save me, save me, and he saves me, but I'm not ready to do anything, I'm not ready to change my life, I'm not ready to, to, to change uh, from my sinful ways and, and move into more of a righteous relationship with God, then what was the fight all about? If there's no consistency, what was it all about? Interesting. And what happens then is actually the person or people actually end up going back into a worse condition than when the fight began. Hmm. You see, that guy's saying a whole lot. He's not giving us much scripture, is he? All right. Just wanted to set, this, set it up. You ready? Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 14. This is so interesting. I'm going to do some more studying in this here. This here just kind of. This really hit me really well. I'm like, God, I need to look at this some more. This was good. Okay. Genesis 14, verses 10 through 16. 
think some of us or many of us are familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Sodom and Gomorrah. I would invite you, as I was doing, and I was like, wow, what did you say? I need to go back and check some more. It's to go back earlier, like in chapter 14, and begin to examine Sodom and Gomorrah before the Sodom and Gomorrah that I'm more familiar with that God destroyed. Hmm, interesting. So let's take a look. Genesis 14, verse, starting with verse 10. Hmm. And the veil of Siddam was full of slime pits. You say, this is crazy. Y'all just listen. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. They were being pursued by other enemy nations. And fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. The enemies took all their goods. And they took Lot, hmm, Abram's brother's son, in other words, his nephew, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. The enemy came in, took them all out. Sodom and Gomorrah, the kings, the people, which included Lot. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre and uh, the Amorite, brother of Eshal, and brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. Hmm, confederate, that's a funny word, isn't it? <laughs> and when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided this 318 folks, y'all, men. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. Interesting story. How does that relate to give me liberty or give me death? How does that relate to our lives today? Before you get to Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed, which is a few more chapters over, God used Abram, who's not even Abraham at the time, to rescue them from their captors. I said, that's quite interesting. He rescued them because of Lot, his, his nephew, was, 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 was caught up in that that uh, the group of people that were taken into slavery, that were taken and would be, have been used into slavery. Abram does more than what Patrick Henry does. He gathers 318 men of his own and said, we're going to pursue. And we're going to overtake. And we're talking armies, fighting against armies with 318 that Abram had to train before they went to battle. I wonder how quick that training was, huh? He armed his trained servants. I'm sorry, he armed his trained. They were already trained. Sorry. He armed his trained servants, born in his own house. So he had already been trained. I'm sorry about that. Make sure I get that right. He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto them. It's interesting because shortly after this battle is when Abram encounters... 
Who? You about said, oh, Phillips, you know. He encounters on his way back from the battle, Melchizedek. Who is Melchizedek? I don't want to get too much into that, but it's interesting that he encounters Melchizedek on his way back from this battle. And then later on, so they get delivered, they get rescued, they get delivered. And what happens to them after this? Do they change? Did their lives turn around? Did they begin to seek after the Lord? No. They went right back to their way of living and actually progressed to a worse condition. So that maybe three or four chapters later, now they're being destroyed. Because of unrighteousness. Are you following me? So those five points that I made there, there's a cry for in, in, because of injustice. Yes, the people are in slavery. They've been taken away. It comes to Abraham's ear. Someone is crying out, say, they've taken your, your nephew. They've taken him. God commissions a champion, Abram, Abram at this time. He, he and his 318, get ready. Like, we're going, we going to get them back. There is chaos. There is a war. There is a battle. But it says in his 318, they whipped them all. There is a celebration of the victories. They're excited. They're, ex they're, they're happy. They're, they're, they've been rescued. And, and they should be going back to their land with a hope of trusting God and knowing that God gave them victory. But then there's a lack of consistency. Because there really wasn't a change in their hearts. Hmm. And they find themselves in a worse condition than they were in the beginning. And they progress to a point where they're ultimately destroyed. Interesting story. Here's another one here. This is found in Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. The children of Israel while they're in Egypt. It was amazing that God had raised up a mighty man called Joseph, right? Anyone familiar with the life of Joseph? God had raised him up. What a champion for the people in the time of need. What a champion. But there came a time, just like we're talking about 2076, many of us will not be here, um, will not likely to be here in 2076. Guess what? It reached 2076 just as an example for Joseph's life. He was not there in 2076. I'm just using that as a reference point. Y'all follow me? So let's look at this. And Joseph died, he had his 2,076, <laughs> and all his brethren and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly, exceeding mighty, mighty. And the land was filled with them. Look at them, boy. Look at them go. Go, boy. Now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Who are you talking about, Joseph? And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of, uh, of the children of Israel are become are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, let's, lest they multiply. And it, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore did they set over them taskmasters, to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, uh, Pithom and Ramses. Ramses. And, but the more 
they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Isn't that amazing? The more that they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. So we see that the children of Israel, they are in bondage. They are serving under harsh taskmasters. They're enslaved. They're in a pitiful condition. That was not the condition that they were left in when Joseph ruled. Uh Uh-oh. They were in a much better condition when Joseph ruled. Joseph, God used him to raise him up in a land that didn't believe in God. And God exalted him to the second highest position in all the land. Surely there would be a continuation of the purposes of God in the land. Something happened. So now the children of Israel are in a, are a forgotten people in a land that enslaved them. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23, 23 through 25 says, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried. Here we go. There has to be a cry, right? And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. There's a cry from the people because of injustice. And God, what? Heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with whom? Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Hmm. There's a people that's crying because of injustice. There's a God that hears the cry. Where's the champion? Where is the champion? Where is the champion? Exodus chapter 6, starting verse 2. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Uh Uh-oh, he's about to really do something here. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm, and with great judgments. As I'm reading that, man, I'm reading that prophetically right there. I don't know about y'all. I'm reading that prophetically. Let me read that verse 6 again from a prophetic emphasis. Listen to what he's saying. It's not just for them. That's for us. Let me read it again with points of emphasis. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, say unto the children of God, hello, children of God, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the burdens, under the burdens Uh, of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments thank you God for doing that for me and I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians 
and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. I want us to get that. Before I go to the next part, I need to hear that. Let's just sink in. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. But they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Those five points are illustrated right there in those scriptures that I just illustrated to you. There is a cry because of the injustice. The children of Israel, they cry out to God because of the injustice. There's a champion that is raised up. God raises up Moses and said, we're going to go and deliver the people. There is chaos. You will see that there are many times that they, the enemy, that they even uh, uh, treated them more harshly, took more away from them and demanded more work. There is a celebration of the victories. You know, they did get to the point where they had to fight uh, I didn't have to fight, but they had to get to the Red Sea, and that the enemies of God were swallowed up in the Red Sea. They celebrated. They went over on dry land over the Red Sea. They went singing and dancing and celebrating because God had delivered them. Then they ran into that word with the sea. Consistency. God brought them out. He delivered them. He brought them into the land that he had promised before to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. They were on the brink of great success. They were on the brink of of fulfilling the word of God, the promises that were given to them. They were on the brink of reaching that. Yet they get to the other side, and they're faced with some challenges. And they began to do what? Murmur and complain. Promises right in front of them. At their disposal, at their fingertips, if you will. A 40-day journey gets you to your promises. 40-day journey gets you to your promises. Murmuring. And complaining, lack of consistency, takes them farther away from their promises. What should have been 40 days takes 40 years. Wow. 40 years amounts to a whole generation, just like 2076, a whole generation died off. And did not enter into the place of promise. Give me liberty or give me death. What does that say today? Many want liberty 
without a cost. Many don't have the understanding that liberty is not free. Freedom is not free. It costs many individuals their lives in order to purchase the freedom and then for the person to have it but not walk in the ways of God, you still don't have freedom. It's still going to cost the individual something to gain freedom. Although others have fought the battle, fought the war, won the war, here's your freedom, here's your liberty. No person gets off free without having to fight and stand on their own selves. Everyone has to make a stand to enjoy freedom and liberty in the way that it was designed. Does that make sense to you? We do a little teaching today because I want you to think about, consider liberty. Am I walking in the liberty that Christ has purchased for me? Hmm. John chapter 8, verse 31, says this. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue, here's that consistency, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the, and ye shall know the, and the shall make, hmm, How many know the truth? How many are free? How many are free in their lives? I'm not talking about just free to go to Walmart. Praise God for Walmart. Got some representatives in the house from Walmart. Praise God for Albertsons. Praise God for going off the island. Those are some symptoms of freedom. But is that freedom? No. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What I like about uh, 12 slaves in a year is that uh, no matter their condition, there were some who knew they were free. Hmm. And not just that movie but all other historical factors and things that are tied in. There were many that knew Harriet Tubman. I think, uh, huh, hello, I think she knew she was free. Hmm. And I don't want to just focus on, you know, uh, the African-American culture. I'm not just doing that. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter which nation is in in rule. Without God being the ruler, people are going to rule unjustly. Uh Uh-oh. I'm about to make a lot of friends. Y'all ready to be my friend? Yeah, right. It's normally the people that are being suffering the injustice who cry out and act as if if the shoe was on the other foot, they do something differently. Whoa. Got him. Told you I have good ears. I consider that even from a young boy growing up, I consider that. I didn't live through the injustice that some of you did, 
you know, in your, your era and the areas that you live. I didn't live through all that. I felt some effects in my own life, but not nearly close to what many of you or some of you have endured. Not even close. I won't even try to act like I did. I was going somewhere with that thought, too. It's a good thought. Kind of forget it. But what I learned as a young man, as I was observing, I said, I wonder would it be any differently if the shoe was on the other foot? I wonder if African Americans would lead in a different way. Uh-oh. These are the kind of thoughts I had as a young man. I think that way. I wonder, would it be the same? Without God being the leader, you're subject to rule in your own thoughts and your own ways. It doesn't matter if the Irish, you know, George and the Irish are leading. Without God, there's a good chance for injustice. Because man will follow his own ways. And what does the word say about a man's heart? A man's heart is what? Deceitfully wicked above all else. So who's to say that anyone else will rule differently? You know, that concept keeps me stable and understanding that I can't just be mad at all people. I think that was proved through Nazism. Even when you think you have a perfect solution for the world, if it's minus God, that solution will not work. Socialism will not work. Communism will not work. Any other ism. will not work. Are you following me? Give me liberty or give me death. The only way that is going to be true is that each individual and a nation has to honor God and trust him as the leader. Children of Israel had a good shot at it. You say, how does he say that? The children of Israel had a good shot at it. They were so close. God was taking good care of them through Moses, the life of Moses. He was taking good care of them through the life of of Joshua. Taking good care of them. He was taking care of them when he raised up the judges at the time and the season that they needed to have a judge because God was ruling them. But something happened when you get over to 1 Samuel, hmm, and the people begin to look around and say, all these other nations have a king. We want a king. Give us a king to rule over us just like the other nations. We want what they have because what they have seems like it's working really well. What they have seems like it's the right solution. What happened there? They begin to trust in man and not in God. And therefore, man can fail you. Man may not start out with that intent. I don't intend to do harm to people. 
But then Isaiah 64 and 6 brings me home. (laughs) But we are all as an unclean thing. And this is written by Isaiah, the prophet. This is Isaiah who was definitely in the presence of God if you've read the book of Isaiah. He had his lips cleansed by the coals, the fire of God's spirit. He didn't even want to talk with unclean lips. He recognized and he said God was speaking to him. God was very near Isaiah the prophet. Even in that, Isaiah, God spoke through him and said, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, put it all together, how many of us in here right now, if there's 150 of us right here, put all of our 150 uh, people of righteousness, put it all together, put it all together, 150 of us, all of our righteousness, put it all together, are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. It's not saying there's no hope for us, but it's saying our own righteousness is not nearly enough. But our righteousness needs to be based on who Christ is, who God is, and he should be our foundation. He should be the one that I'm trusting in. That makes sense to you. So it's the only time that that's why, thank you, Holy Spirit, that's why the Lord declares in the revelation toward the end. That there has to be a new heaven. There has to be a new earth. There has to be a new heaven. And there has to be a new earth. Because there's no way that we're going to achieve, that this, this world can achieve the righteousness that God has designed. Can't happen. There's already so many steps towards a one world government, right? And peace, peace, peace. The Bible says about be careful when you hear peace, peace, peace. Because destruction is, is surely to come. Beware of peace, peace, peace. So whichever generation it really hits home in, I don't know which generation that's going to be. It's going to hit home in some generation that one world government is going to be so strong. It's going to become a reality in someone's generation. That won't work. That's what I'm trying to say. It's going to fail also. There has to be a new heaven. There has to be a new earth that is filled with God's rule, God's authority, and perfect rule and authority. Our job, though, obviously is not happening yet. Our job, though, is to continue to keep our trust in the Lord, to keep our focus on God and not ourselves. Don't even focus on our, on our own government in its best day. Can't meet the needs of the people. In its best day, can't meet the needs of the people. It's going to take God. It's going to take the truth to set us free. This is, I'm going to close with this one. Romans chapter 8. Really just wants to think about give me liberty or give me death. If you were like me, I experienced a time in my life where I was walking outside the will of God and sowed some seeds of, of sin and reaped some some harvest of sin. And uh 
I normally I tell several people this that a lot of times that 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 part that you sow that 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 reaping of it uh normally comes or shows itself when you're ready to do right hmm interesting Normally when you're on the cusp of ready, ready to do right, I'm ready to go all in with God. I'm ready to give him my life. I'm ready to trust him. As a matter of fact, I'm already doing it. I'm taking steps. I'm like, man, God, life is great since I made the decision. And then all of a sudden, boom. What is that? And then boom. What is, hey, what's that? Then what is all that? It's called Harvest. But don't be discouraged when it comes because it's coming. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The fact that it's coming is already proof of the word, right? That whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? So it's already proof. I'm going somewhere with this. Hope y'all can y'all stay connected. It's already proof that God's word is Effective. It does exactly, accomplish exactly what he said it would do. It's already proof. The fact that it's coming, that I'm seeing, I'm, I'm experiencing, it's already proof that his word works. You say, but man, that's proof that it's, that it's bad. But guess what? It's proof. It, 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 it depends on how you look at the thing. Is this bottle half empty or half full? Is it mostly empty or is it mostly full? There's a viewpoint. People view things either mostly empty or mostly full, half empty or half full. I'm the persuasion that it's mostly full. That's just my persuasion. I'm of the persuasion that it's half full. I'm saying because it has so much possibility in it, man, you haven't seen it quite yet. That's some capacity that God going to work on right there. That's just my viewpoint. And I say that in relation to this. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if I sowed some things that weren't quite right, and, and when, I, when I make the decision to get right with God, get serious with God, and some of those things begin to come and show themselves, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. But guess what? The word still works. And so now I begin to sow. I've been sowing some righteousness. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's about consistency. Can you hang on? Can you stay strong when the things that, that seem to be coming against you because you sown some wrong. Are you following me? But to me, I see that as a possibility. God is just showing his word to be true. So as I be living righteousness, as I live a life that pleases God, guess what? I'm sowing righteousness. Guess what's going to come up? Guess what's going to come up? Guess what's going to come up? You just have to stay consistent in God. Sometimes you have to tell John, you got to hold on, man. You got to hold on with everything. God, just don't let me. Lord, just help me just get through this. God, just whatever it takes. So that's the way I view that. I view the blessing of that because I know that the word works. I'm going to see this thing turn around. Romans chapter 8, right here. It's turning around. There is therefore now, uh-oh, what? No condemnation to them which are where? In Christ Jesus. How are they walking? Not after the flesh, 
but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Man, I can say that because I believe it. Because I've seen it in my own life. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. And he has some more good news. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, not sin himself, but in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. He did it so that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the what? But we walk after the what? For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Let me talk about this to the singles. Y'all better get ready for this one. Y'all better love me after I finish too. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded. Hmm. But to be spiritually minded. But to be spiritually minded. But to be spiritually minded. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So what's the hope of that seed that may not have been sown, that was not good sown? Lord, thank you that I'm sowing good seed. And just as surely as a some of that that seed that was not good gave, gave some type of harvest. Thank God you keep on praying. And he don't give you the full effect of the harvest. Does that make sense to you? In other words, I know I haven't received the full reward for my sin. Thank God for turning and his grace shortens that thing up. Doesn't let me feel the full brunt of that force. I had to learn this. This was being saved and being a Christian, I think, for eight years at the time. But I was so haunted by my past sin. No one was condemning me. No one was bringing it up to me. No one was calling me say, remember when? No one wrote me a letter saying, I don't forgive you. I was being condemned by my own thoughts. I read these scriptures. It was a Holy Spirit moment. You gotta have a Holy. You gotta have a lots of Holy Spirit moments to break free from these things of the world. You gotta have a revelation of the Word of God. Are you following me? Have you ever been set free? You can't be set free on your own. You have to have a revelation of the Scripture and apply it to your life. That's how you become free. Jesus said, "And ye shall know the truth." you got to come into the relationship with the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I came into relationship with this scripture. And the Lord told me, he showed me, he showed me, this is, this is why you're free. This is why it's different than what you've been thinking about. How are you walking now? The Lord had to remind my, my own self, since when he had to remind me, how are you walking now? Because I was thinking about this, what I did. But he said, how are you walking now? I said, now, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? I had to go back and see what he said. He said, come on. Those who walk according to the Spirit and not after the flesh. I said, now, wait a minute. I let that go. 
I sinned, yes. I felt some effects of it, yes. But God, I turned, I, I, when I got saved, I really got saved. I let that go. Naomi, he said, you're walking now according to the Spirit. I said, wow. I didn't realize it. So now I'm not affected by the things of the flesh. So guess what? Condemnation that used to hold me, that used to bother me. I couldn't think about it. I could only go so far in God before those thoughts would just prevail in my mind. Guess what happened when I heard that, when the Holy Spirit revealed that to me? You're talking about a liberation. Give me liberty. God gave me liberty through these scriptures. Death no longer had hold on me. I let it go. I like, oh, and, <laughs> and, and I'm not talking to people. I'm talking to me. I'm talking when the thoughts try to come out, and you are now in Christ Jesus. You now walk according to the spirit. You don't walk according to the flesh. Remember the law of the spirit. There's two laws in effect here. One is the law of the spirit and one is the law of the flesh. But the law of the spirit canceled the law of the flesh. For the law of the spirit in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin. Give me liberty. Liberty comes from the spirit. It's not the physical. Our nation has been seeking liberty and freedom in the, in the, in the physical. It didn't start out that way. It didn't start out that way. I'm about to make some more friends. It didn't start out that way. It started out being liber- uh, uh, made free in the spirit to worship God in spirit and truth. Our nation now is seeking liberty through the flesh. A liberty to do what I want to do. Hmm. Thank God that he gave us a free will to serve him. But what an amazing part of that free will when you use it to serve God. So therefore what is considered what people are striving for liberty is bondage. And it's taking us farther from God. would know some of those things that are happening today. Liberty for whom? Not liberty for a nation. Liberty for individuals. But it's not liberty for a nation. It's not the favor of God. Thank God, though, even through all that, y'all, God still favors us. You know why he still favors us? Because there are people who are praying. And there are people who are trusting in him. So even when all that's happening, I'm still rejoicing. Because God has a people. Just like he found in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. He couldn't find any righteous there. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham at this time, he had to go into to, 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 to the cities. And God found them a righteous. God had to send the righteous one there. I always think about this. Our nation is not destroyed. Does not receive the full brunt of its ways. Because there are righteous still in the land. Are you following me? You are that righteousness that's in the land. And you don't even know the impact of us staying righteous before God. Keeping God's favor, his grace over our land. 
Give me liberty. Don't give me death. Give me liberty. Don't give me death. I choose liberty. Liberty which comes from Christ. Young people, keep choosing liberty. It comes from Christ. Doesn't come from the world. Because the world can't give what they don't have. Mm. Consider it. Give me liberty. Give me death. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. And uh, he already came to bring us liberty. We've been through enough scripture for you to know the difference. If that's you today, I don't care how old you are. You can be young. You can be old. You can be older. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that a pleasing relationship that you know without a shadow of a doubt. Hell, the black burning for real, they were singing that your Jesus is a rock. He talked about salvation. And he talked about even if you've been away from God, a backslider. You say, I don't want to stay in those conditions. I want to be assured because I'm standing on Jesus Christ. Maybe that's you today. You don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to make that decision today. Today is the day of salvation, it says in Revelation. Today is the day of salvation. God says that. Now our part is, he says, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Today, if he's speaking to you and saying, come on, recommitment. If he's saying to you today, come on, salvation, you need to not harden your heart. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. To the one that will open the door, I will come in. He's knocking this morning on some of our hearts. Today is your day of salvation. If that's you, I always say you got to be bold. You can't be wimpy. When you want Christ, you can't be wimpy. You have to have the boldness to say, God, it's me, and I want you in my life. I'm asking you to come today. Tell me, come up. Let us, let us pray with you. Let us pray with you today. Let us pray with you today. If it's recommitment, be bold. Be courageous. Let us pray with you today. So I would take it that each one of us is saved. I would take it that each one of us is walking strong. I would like to think that. But I already know. There's some in need. So this is your opportunity. I won't belabor it. This is your opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Anyone can come. Maybe you need a church home. You haven't settled into a good church home. You would like to have, make living faith your church home. We open the doors of the church for you right now. All you got to do is come on up say, hey, I want to join in. 
Hopefully we didn't scare you away too much. Maybe that's you today. Looking for a place. Not taking you away from your home church. You still belong to your church back there. Don't want to take you away. But while you're here, you need a body to unite with. A body to help you. Help you to continue to grow. To encourage you. To pray with you. To get to know you. Have a relationship with you. If that's you, you need a good church home. We open the doors here. If not, we have other churches we can recommend you to. All right. Let us all stand. In fact, we're all good.